Welcome to another inspirational message from Chowdean Community Church, Gateshead. For more information about Chowdean, visit www.chowdean.org.uk. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Pray with Corrine as we start. Father, just thank you for Corrine. We thank you for her love of you and her desire to serve you. Thank you for the thoughts that you've put into her head. And now, Lord, will you just anoint her with your word, anoint her with wisdom in delivering to us the things that we need to hear from you, Father. Just bless her in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Right, am I on? Yep, so it is. The uniforms, I didn't know they were going to do that this morning. I would just really, really encourage you to do the uniforms because I think as a child going to school and you don't have a uniform, you're all singled out and you're all picked on. I remember we came, I came to this school. This before was Emmanuel College, was called St. John Fisher's. And this was my school and it was a Catholic school and it was very, very strict. And we, there was four of us who came here and we didn't have the right uniforms. You had to have the right PA kit, the right um, netball kit, and and you had if you didn't have them, you were singled out, and the teacher would pull you aside and say, "Why haven't you got your uniform?" And you know, we as kids would say, "Oh, um, oh, I forgot it, or I haven't got it." And the truth was, it wasn't bought. Well, I had a lovely teacher here. She was called Mrs. Moore, and she was very strict. Nobody liked her, but I liked her. I liked her because she had a different side that nobody seen every day. And one day after PE, she said to me, you, come with me. And so I went and she took us to the lost property box. And she said, have a look through there. Get what you need. And I got all my PE kit. And I got shirts. I got socks. I got trainers. And not just for me, for my brothers. And she said, take them to my office and leave them there. So I went, right. And I was saying... I have to tell her we've got no money. I can't pay for it. And she, I went into my office. She said, I want you to come back here tomorrow at four o'clock. So I says, right. So I went the next day at four o'clock. School had finished. Everybody had gone home. And I went in her office. And there was a bag. It was a blue bag. And everything I had chosen out of the lost property box was washed and ironed. And she says, take that home. And if you haven't got your kit next year, find me. And that was it. There was no, there you go, here you are. It was, it was a need. She saw a need and she filled it. And oh, it was great. I could play netball with me, netball kit on. I was goal attack. Can you remember? Pivot in, turning around. She shoots, she scores. Yes! You see, it makes all the difference when you're part of the crowd, when, you, when you have a sense of belonging. And kids, when they don't have the right uniform, it doesn't matter what day and age you're in. That was years ago. I mean, I was at school 20 years ago. <laughs> oh, it was one, it was one. <laughs> 30 odd years ago, let's say. And when I was at school, if you didn't have the kit, you didn't fit in. So do the uniforms. And I just, I just think it's a wonderful thing that we as a church can get behind and make a difference. And the sermon this morning is about, it's called Hope is Alive. Hope is alive. And I really believe that when we've been reading Biblica, that we've really developed a sense of community, a sense of love, and a sense of hope. Um, 
I'll tell you a story because I loved Biblica. I loved when we were in a house group and I loved the thought when I was getting up in the morning and I was finding times in my day to read the reading plan that somebody in my fellowship, in my church, could be reading the same thing. And, you know, we're all reading, we're all pondering on it, we're all texting each other questions or um, praying about different things, bringing new questions to the house groups. It was wonderful and there was a real sense that God was doing something with me. So this morning, I want to say to you, don't let that go. Whether you read Biblica and you kept up with Biblica, or you didn't, or you just read a little bit, or you fell behind, it doesn't matter. Just keep that discipline going and just keep reading the Word of God and feeding yourself. Jesus says man does not live on bread alone, and we can't just live on little tidbits of the Bible. We have to live on all of the Bible, the full Bible, so keep going. I was very excited about it one day. Um... And I was talking to the girl, I know, and um, she says, because I'm an avid reader, I love reading books, um, and I, I love the Bible, I love novels, I often have two or three books on the go. And she says, what are you reading at the minute? I says, yeah, I says, our church. I says, we're all reading this book together. I says, it's great. I says, I can't believe it. I says, it's lovely. I says, it's like one big Christian book group. And she went, yeah, what's it called? And I says, it's called Enigma. And she went, oh, Enigma, your church is reading Enigma. And I went, yeah, I says, it's great. And she went, yeah, I can't believe your church is all reading Enigma. And I says, yeah. And people come on a Sunday morning, the preachers and the leaders, and they speak about what was wrote. I says, and they pray about what they're going to bring out of the book. And she went, eh, they pray about reading that book, Enigma. And I says, yes, I says, it's amazing. I said, I can't believe it. I says, it's lovely. There's a, it's just a real sense God's doing something. And she went, well, he did something in the Second World War, didn't he? I says, yes, um, yeah, I think he probably, yeah, he probably did think, and eh? And then she says, eh, she says, they've made a film of it. So I said, eh, have they? Yeah, I can't believe it. I says, they've made a film of it. Um, and, I, and I just said, a film of it. And she went, yeah, there's a film of Enigma. Well, somewhere you would think deep would be resonating with me. I'd used the wrong words. And I was saying, that, eh, that's amazing. Yeah, I can't believe it. They've made a film of it. I says, I knew they'd made a film of the Left Behind series, but I hadn't realized they made a film of Biblica. And, she's, and she looked at me and she went, yeah, she says, um, it's about the machine. And I went, the machine? And she went, yeah, she says, that lad in it who was, um, he was a, a doctor. I says, I think we might be on the same not on the same thing here and she went no no there's definitely definitely a film I says there's definitely a film and she went yes well as I came about she was on about Benedict Cumberbatch and there is a film about the machine in the second world war so she went away thinking our church <laughs> is reading a book called Enigma and we'll all get together on a Sunday morning and speak how God's spoken to him if I say yeah, I'll have to put it right there it was a biblica so um the verse I'd like to bring you this morning is Hebrews six nineteen, and it says, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters into the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. And I just think that is a wonderful picture of hope, a wonderful picture of God's love for us. If you take a storm and you take the ship and it's being rocked left, right and centre and the winds are crashing against it and then the anchor drops and the anchor is firm and secure. That is our hope in Jesus. So when we have a storm raging in our lives, when we have storms that we think we are being battered, when we cannot take any more, remember your hope is firm and secure. Your anchor is Jesus and hold on to Jesus. In Romans it says, you know, God's love was being poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. We are born again of God's Holy Spirit and dwells within us. 
And that, that is the strength we need to hold on through our storms, to hold on to come out the other side and to give people who are going through the storm hope. And hope is an absolutely, it's a powerful thing. It's a wonderful thing. And I think that's sometimes what we need. In my place of work, I work with young women aged between 16 to 25 and their lives when they come to us sometimes have been horrific, horrific and they've lost hope. They've actually lost hope and they're young mothers and they may be parenting very, very well with their children, but outside of that, they'll not trust anybody. They won't trust what anyone will say to them and they might play up, they might act up. And we, because of our Christian charity, uh, we try and we pray for them and we try to just love them, but also we try to give them hope. And one of the sayings we have at work is this and not last forever. This season that you're in will not last forever. And that's, that's for you as well, as, as church, as a community. Your season, if it's a stormy season, take heart, hold on to the anchor that is Jesus. And remember that this season, it won't last forever. There will be an end to it. And when you come out the other side, you will feel, you know, maybe battered. You might feel down. You might feel, I don't want to do that again. But you will have hope. Because your hope is secure in Jesus. Years ago, I spoke on Corner of Heaven and I spoke in depth about it. Um, and I'll just tell you on the back of that, I, when I was speaking about a corner of heaven and how God loves us, that He'll use every opportunity to speak to us, to draw us closer to Him, because He loves us deeply and dearly. And I spoke about it, and this man, he came up to me at the end and he was crying his eyes out and he was in his. 50s, 60s, and was really crying. And do you know what? I began to cry with him. I didn't know why I was crying, but I just cried with him. And I wasn't crying because I was upset. I was crying because there was just this, this God was just resonating out of him. And I just said, I feel God spoken to you. And he says, he has. He says, when you spoke of the corner of heaven, God reaching us where we are. He says, my dad died. He says, just a couple of years ago, it says, and there's four sons, three sons all went to church with me, me for that way. We had a lovely upbringing. One of us, one of my brothers, went wayward, and he was awful. He was wild, and we ended up stopped speaking. So my three brothers never spoke to him. We never interacted with him or his family or his children, and there was just a rift. When my dad was dying, he sent for them all, and he was at home, and he was dying. And he sent for the three brothers and their families, he says. And your fourth brother came as well. He says, and he sat in the bed. And he says, three of us were on one side, and he was on the other side. And my other two brothers had actually hugged him and said it was good to see him. But I couldn't. I could not hug him because I didn't feel it was good to see him. I didn't think he should have been there. He hasn't been there for years. So why has he come now? And he says, and then my father sat up in bed and he just looked like my dad. He didn't look like he was ravaged with cancer. He just looked like my dad. And he sat up and he put his hand out. And each one of them put out my hand on his, including my wayward brother. And he looked at each one in turn and said, I love you, I love you, I love you, and I love you. And he said to me, he looked at me and he said, take care of him. And he meant my brother, my brother who I wasn't speaking to. And then he smiled and he said, I'm going home. And he lay back and he died. 
He says, we had the funeral. He says, and then I was thinking, when we get to the, the wake bit, he says, I hope he doesn't come, because if he comes, I'll not take care of him. He says, I'll kill him. He says, fancy turning up to me, Dad, and like this, and he hasn't spoken to anywhere in years. I cannot believe he's come. He says, and then at the funeral, he says, I seen at the wake, he says, I seen my other two brothers speaking to them. He says, and I started to get really, really angry with them as well. He says, and I walked over, and them two walked away. And my brother, who I hadn't spoken to for years, looked at me and he said, I'm sorry. He says, and then that was it. My heart melted towards him. And I remembered my dad saying he loved him as well. And I took my brother in my arms and we cried and cried and cried. Not just for the loss of my dad, because we'd miss him, but also because we had been reconciled with just that moment, and he says, God entered into that moment when my dad sat up in bed and told me to take care of him. And my brother said to me, for years, I've wanted to come back, but I didn't know how. For years, I've wanted to, to be in contact. For years, I've wanted to say sorry for the things I've done. And it made us think of that hymn, if the veilest offender truly believes a pardon from Jesus, he receives. That's powerful, that's hope. That hope that this world needs, that this world needs us, who are God's image bearers, who have the Holy Spirit and dwelling within us, can give somebody who doesn't know the Lord, who doesn't know Jesus, who doesn't know that there's hope, that there's salvation. We are those people. We are hope bearers. We can take that hope to our families, to our friends, to strangers. We have to be proactive in the, in, in this faith, I would say it's a faith for souls, it's a faith for, for people in this day and age. And it could be just being friends with someone at first. It could just be saying hello to someone. It could be talking to somebody on a bus. I was on a bus and I spoke to an old lady. I was reading again, Biblica. At this time I got the name right and I began to tell her about it. But then I realized that she didn't really want to know about Biblica. She wanted to talk to me about the weather and our dog. And then she said to me, we had a lovely conversation. And when she got off the bus, she said, you know, you're the first person I've spoken to in four days. And I couldn't believe it. So then I ran after her up the street and I said, let me pray that God will bring people in your life that you can speak to. And she went, do you think God cares about that? I went, too right, does he? I said, come to Chowdy. And I told her where we were. She may, she may not come, but God may take somebody into her life. And that is hope. That is hope for us. And that is what we can bring to our friends, to our families, to strangers. And I was watching this week, Torval and Dean, 8 o'clock on a Thursday night. Watch it, it's amazing. I was watching it by accident. I was feeding the baby and he was having a little bit of a tiz, shall we say. So um, I was walking on the floor with him. And Jane Torval and Christopher Dean, the upshot is they went into the school and they want to put on this um, ice skating show and they want to do it with the people of Nottingham. So they wanted 50 volunteers. At first, they got 10. And um, then they got a few more. And two kids of the school, two girls, had a massive fight. Probably was, well, it was great. Not that they were fighting, but it was, it was real life stuff. It was, you know, they weren't sugarcoating anything. Then, um, it, wait a minute, Christopher Dean, he went. And um, he went to this company and he found some skates. And he asked this company to give all 50 kids, they managed to get 50 volunteers from skates. And the company did. And the kids had, couldn't believe it. They couldn't skate, half of them. But they were there, they were turning up. And they got these skates. And there was one girl, and she was called Shanice. And she couldn't skate at all. 
and they had had the A-string over, and they had proper coaches, just like loads of time and effort poured into it. And she was really, really desperate to skate, desperate to be part of this big thing that we're going to put on. And the first thing they put on was a, a two-minute show to all the, um, all the other kids in the school. I think there was about 200 kids who came and watched these do that first couple of, you know, like two minutes. So there was her, and there was this other girl, and she was called Charlie. And she was the one who had a fight. Now, she had a natural ability on the ice. And he went, he went to Christopher and he seen her and she says, she couldn't come. And he says, what's going on in your life? And he really, he understood I really, and he, he, he spoke to her, he singled her out when she hadn't turned up to the practices. And he says, look, I've got your skates. And he gave her the skates. He says, I know that you're probably cautious. And you probably don't want to come. He says, well, I can see something in you. He says, I really think that you should come. He says, have a think about it. Take the skates and think about it. And I just thought it was a wonderful picture. If, if God's seeking out us, he seeks out us and he says, I know you're nervous, I know you're frightened, but, but come to me and I will give you the strength to be a hope bearer in this dark world. I will give you that strength. And the girl, she didn't turn up. And her background was, she was at the minute she had been um, kicked out. That's for me, tell them I'm busy. Um, <laughs> So she'd been kicked out of the house and she was in um, sheltered, no, she was in supported accommodation, a full family that hadn't paid the rent and she had nowhere to go and they were living in supported accommodation and I know that when you're living in, um, sorry not supported accommodation, temporary accommodation, they can't put you anywhere, they can't put a family of five in a one bedroom flat. So I, I don't know where she was living. And he said, you've got a lot on in your life at the minute. And she went, yeah, I have. He says, but I believe in you. And I just thought it was just, it was lovely the way he singled it out. And this girl who couldn't skate, oh, it was great. Because they all lined up on the ice, a big, massive lane of them. And the music started. And she was central. She was focal point. And they had to do this like, little dance, which I'm showing you now, up and to the side, a little shimmy with her ice skates, a little shimmy. And she stood there and she didn't move. And so they'd used her ability of just being the focal point of doing the dance. She had to turn around one way. She ended up being back to front. And do you know what? The other skaters didn't mind. They just skated around and she got herself forward again. And it was brilliant. And do you know what? All the people who were involved, all the other kids, were saying her name and saying, well done. I think she's called Shanice. Go on, Shanice. Well done, Shanice. And it was a lovely picture of being together. And that's what Chowdine is. We have a lovely picture of saying, come on, doesn't matter if you didn't keep up with your reading. It doesn't matter if you didn't keep up. And we'll have a lovely family here. But... We need to be out in the world because we don't want to see anybody lost. I'm going to show you two things at the minute. I just think, uh, these, when I seen this first, this first um, video clip, I seen it and I cried. I really, really cried because this to me is where hope is so, so powerful. God, he doesn't distinguish where he'll be. He doesn't distinguish who he'll speak to or who, who, he, who he wants to draw in. And just watch this clip, and I'll talk about it in a minute.
were prisoners, and I think it's in Malaysia, and they're in the prison, and they're in the prison for the vilest offences. I'm not going to the fences, and they've learned how to dance, and they've been putting dances together, and they put that dance together to form a cross. And it was when I, one, of the, one of the prisoners were interviewed, it said, why did you want to do this? Why did you want to be part of learning this dance, to dance and put together a formation in the cross? He went, oh, because it gives us hope. I'm in here forever. And it just, it made me cry. I just thought, if God can bring hope to the vilest offender. He can bring hope to our neighbours. He can bring hope to the busman. He can bring hope to the lollipop lady. He can bring hope to my brothers. He can bring hope to your family and your friends. We, we, we just want them to believe. We want them to spend eternity with us. So don't be downcast. Hold on. Hold on whatever storm you're going through and you'll come through it. That'll not be the end and you can speak about it. You can tell people that God got you through it. And it might, might be really difficult. You might have to take some time. But God is a God of hope and a God who wants to see none perish. And I just really believe that hope is alive. I'm going to finish with this um, last little bit this morning because I just thought this, I just love this, right? When you say this, the contrast of hope in the prison to hope in the home, it's just so wonderful and it is a picture of God's love that God is everywhere and God deeply desires a deeper relationship with us but also for us to be his image bearers to take his love to take his hope to take his salvation to our family and friends and I'm just going to ask the um, the band to just come up as we're watching this last little clip um, to come up and get ready for the last song and I'll just pray before we We'll play this clip. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this morning, Lord. And I thank you for Andy as he stepped in, as Paul was poorly. I thank you, Lord God, that you're just here and you resonate with us now in church. I pray that you'll resonate in our hearts, in our spirits, and in our lives as we leave to go about our busy daily day tasks. But Father, throughout this coming week, I pray that we can find time, Lord, to be hopeful in this world. And that, Lord, people will see us and see a difference in us. And remember, hope is alive because you died and rose again. Hope is alive in Jesus. Amen. This is the end of this message. We hope you enjoyed it. If you want to find out more about our church, please visit www.chowdean.org.uk please take a minute to rate our podcast on iTunes.